0: welcome to booked where two guys tell you about the books they're reading i'm dino Parenti,
1: and i'm livius nedden now our listeners are very very astute that's the one thing that i can say because we get called out on shit all the time and before anybody gets a chance to call us out that is not rob olson that you're hearing which is a little oh, no. weird right no 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 yeah.
0: i know it's weird for me is it
1: weird for you right now
0: it is. Like I I, I like I feared, I almost said his name when I introduced the introduction. <laughs> Instead of my own.
1: <laughs> Listen, we're not at the point in our relationship where I ask you to pretend that you're Rob. That's when it starts getting really, really weird. So, uh, Although after this dereliction
0: of duty on his part, I, I, you might be looking in that yeah, direction.
1: Yeah, we might have to talk about that after this review. Uh, mm-hmm. The gentleman who you're hearing is none other than Dino Parenti who has a bio which is so cool cuz i thought if someone said they would do this and they didn't have a bio i'd have to like weird make one up and it would be like um so and so is a <laughs> friend of <laughs> mine from facebook and right. that's all i know Some but, rando. Well, you have a legit bio yeah and here it is dino parenti is a writer of dark literary and speculative fiction he is the winner of the first annual lasco am i saying that right lasco
0: lasco i believe is correct yes
1: Lasco Review Flash Fiction Contest and is featured in the Anthony Award winning anthology Blood on the Bayou. His short fiction collection, Dead Reckoning and Other Stories, was released in October of 2018. His work can be found in Pantheon Magazine, Menacing Hedge, Pithead Chapel, as well as other anthologies. When not purging his soul into a laptop, thanks to a far too early exposure to Stephen King, Scorsese movies, and Camus, he can be found photographing the odd junk pile, building furniture or earning a few bucks as a CAD drafter. He lives in Los Angeles. Dino, thank you so, so much for doing this.
0: You are welcome. I'm a big fan of you guys, and it is my honor. I, I step up and taking one for the team.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and I really thought that there would be an army of people that would rise up to the challenge. Right? And not so much. Not so much. Wow. But you, That's you appointed. did the right thing, and I appreciate that. Also, I'd like to say... That of all the bios I've read, I want to commend you on actually putting in that you have a day job in your <laughs> bio. Because every other author it's a list of where they published, what awards they've won, and that's it. You sometimes yeah. like I have a cat or or whatnot. So. You know they've got but day jobs, yeah. probably two or three. I know what a lot of their day jobs are from doing this podcast too. So <laughs> I want to commend you on oh, being um, forthcoming. So why hide? This week, we're going to be reviewing The Mister. If you have not been keeping up, um, that is EL James' new book. I did not check today, but um, I guess over the last couple of weeks, it was number two on the New York Times bestseller list and then number three. I guess this would merit at least a little bit of googling so right. we can know where we're at. What
0: with. was the release um, date? Uh, it is, it is not, still number
1: three, right? Um, it was released on April 16th,
0: okay. April so 16th, a month ago. so yeah,
1: three weeks. Three weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. It is sitting at number three um, in between Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens and Redemption by David Baldacci. Baldacci's got to be pissed that this is the week his publisher decided to put out a right. like they were put out in the same week. It's like
0: yeah, opening so. against
1: Star Wars. It is a little bit like that. Um, for anybody who's not familiar, Dino, would you care to read Miss James'
0: bio? It would be my honor or pleasure. E.L. James is an incurable romantic and a self-confessed fangirl. After 20 years of working in television, she decided to pursue a childhood dream and write stories that readers could take to their hearts. The result was the controversial and sensuous romance Fifty Shades of Grey and its two sequels. E.L. James is blessed with two wonderful sons and lives with her husband and their West Highland Terriers in the leafy suburbs of West London. I'm
1: guessing in a really nice place, too. You'd think yeah she um i edited some of that down because it talked about how like the movie 50 shades of gray is made over a billion dollars and how the the like latest one won some film award which is a little shocking to me i, I did sort of see most of the first movie and i felt it was not i don't have it handy but yeah it was uh it was something it was something where i was like huh yeah that's not uh here it is uh da-da-da. third installment 50 shades freed won the people's choice award for drama in 2018. So maybe that one's, maybe that one's really, really good. So she's finally gotten away from Christian gray and the original three books. Then I think there were the three that were told from Christian's point of view, two of which were reviewed here on booked to give us the mister. And I'm going to give you this uh, rather long synopsis here. London, 2019 life has been easy for Maxim Trevelyan with his good looks, aristocratic (laughs) connections and money. He's never had to work. And he's rarely slept alone. But all that changes when tragedy strikes and Maxim inherits his family's noble title, wealth and estates and all the responsibility that entails. It's a role he's not prepared for and one that he struggles to face. But his biggest challenge is fighting his desire for an unexpected, enigmatic young woman who's recently arrived in England, possessing little more than a dangerous and troublesome past. Reticent, beautiful, and musically gifted, she's an alluring mystery, and Maxim's longing for her deepens into a passion that he's never experienced and dares not name. Just who is Alicia DeMachi? Can Maxim protect her from the malevolence that threatens her? And what will she do when she learns that he's been hiding secrets of his own? From the heart of London, through wild, rural Cornwall, to the bleak, forbidding beauty of the Balkans, the mister is a rollercoaster ride of danger, and desire that leaves the reader breathless to the very last page. Wow. I'm going to give the synopsis right I
0: that's Exactly what I was going to say. I want to meet the person who wrote this. It's on point. All of it is is
1: accurate if exaggerated. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they actually make this book sound a little interesting. Oh, totally. So... Yeah, we're going to talk about it and see if it actually delivered Mm -hmm. on that, uh, on that promise of interest. So we kick it off with a prologue. In the prologue, there is a young woman who, for reasons unknown to us, has been on the run through, um, I'm guessing through England. I don't know if it's really specific where she is. Yeah. For about seven days now, sleeping in doorways. She has a map. She's sleeping with, like, newspapers covering her, and she is desperately afraid of whatever's chasing her.
0: Yeah, and... It's interesting that you bring that up because I don't remember the prologue, but only now you talking about it. yeah, There was that brief intro without any context that kind of confused me, but does eventually come around and make sense later.
1: I find it weird because often, even on this podcast, people, we forget the prologue. Like if it's taken so far away from the actual context, um, it tends to be forgettable. So I, I've started to pay attention to the prologue more mm-hmm. since reviewing books than I ever did before. And even now I go, Oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah did that
0: doesn't hit really until halfway through. And we should say it's a 500 page book.
1: Did it feel like 500 pages? So you actually have a paper yeah. copy. Like how legit are those pages?
0: They are legit. They're not, they're not, you know, huge okay. typeface and, Three, you know, spaces between. It is a legit, okay, literally four hundred ninety-four pages, and then some acknowledgments.
1: Yeah, I uh, I read the Kindle version, and I can tell you the reason I say that is I know like kind of my average reading speed, and based on five hundred pages, I was allocating a certain amount of mm-hmm. time, and, and the book went much quicker than the time I allocated um, for it. So if I had to, you know, if I had to put out a guess pages based on my reading experience i probably would have put it about 375 maybe um that's why i wanted to ask about the actual
0: yeah it didn't you
1: want to put out yeah. a big fat book so people drop 20 bucks on it but you know sometimes that big fat book is not uh, yeah. anything but a From 250 of, page book in this. In terms of
0: content it didn't feel like a 500 page book
1: nope at all no and we will put that on the plus mm-hmm. list for this which i'm sure <laughs> will come up later so um right after that we're introduced to maxim Trevelyan, who is the newly a- appointed—I don't know if "appointed" is the right word—Earl of Trevis. Yeah, through
0: through death, he acquired the title because it was his uh, older brother's. Kit, um, Kit, yes,
1: yep. Trevelyan, who comes up obviously posthumously in the throughout the course of the book, but we're introduced to him in a very interesting way. He has just finished having sex with his sister-in-law, right? Um, and this is two weeks. 2 weeks to the day I think since uh since Kit mm-hmm. passed on in a motorcycle accident um that it didn't occur to me until I just said that that, that probably is a, a, a if we were doing spoiler talk which we're not okay. doing for this book that might be a point of contention from a storytelling standpoint cuz he dies in a motorcycle accident, but then pretty soon there are some questions about this accident that are never really resolved.
0: Right. And they question whether it was an accident at a certain point.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess we should say we might spoil some of this story. So in the odd event that you were planning on reading this book, um, first of all, shame on you for not taking me up on my offer to do right. it with me. <laughs> if you're planning I on reading it. I second
0: that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Second, um, you're probably just not listening. Or you're, you're probably not listening to this podcast if this is on your reading list. So, in the event that you do want to, I will try
0: not to spoil too greatly.
1: So he's uh, sleeping with his sister in law as as uh, comfort sex, um, I guess. But that's how we're introduced to to Maxim's lifestyle, which is froth with um, essentially a different girl every night. And through the course of the first few chapters, we we kind of see that in action to know that. He's incredibly handsome, and he's wealthy, and he's basically Bruce Wayne just without like the Batman counterpart, right? Um, but that you know he just basically beds a different beauty every night, so we we get a good look at at his life that way. He's like a trust it's, fund baby. Yeah, absolutely. Which again, I I don't I don't like we we talked a little bit about Yel James and not blaming her for anything because she's wild leaks. I don't blame him for being a trust fund baby. No, nope. I'm okay with that. I would, uh, I would likely have led my life the same way were I in his position. Right. <laughs> but he does have, and, and the only reason I, I, I mention this, because we'll probably switch back to the term housekeeper or maid, mm-hmm. but he does have a daily, and it is uh, made a pretty big deal of in this book. Now, I'd never heard the term daily, but that refers to somebody
0: who cleans your house Monday through Friday. Right. It's in the prologue of the book. Well, the, what is it, the epigram or the epigraph right before the prologue.
1: Um, But he has a daily who is um, Alicia, uh, who is mentioned obviously as the object of his desire in this book. And of course, from there, you can kind of expect how things go. Mm -hmm. So essentially, we kind of at this point have a we have kind of a retelling of Fifty Shades of Grey um, in that we go through a lot of um, very heartfelt wondering what the other one you know so maxim wants to know what she thinks of him and she thinks he possibly can't think anything of her because he's um you know the the mister he's the rich man whose place she cleans and she's just a cleaner um and we kind of go through this but uh obviously over the course of a few chapters the two of them um get closer and closer um to to one another
0: I will. I should say I'll rely on you to make any Fifty Shades comparison, since I have not read that.
1: I mean, it's it's similar in scope. You have the the rich, powerful, um, you know, very attractive man, and then you have again, you know, maybe going to spoiler territory here a little bit, but you have the Albanian virgin maid, which is not exactly Fifty Shades of Grey, but you get the very demure. Quiet, shy. um,
0: That's the hit that I got, too.
1: Yep, yep. Unaware of her own attractiveness. Um, And for her, too, I I will defend a little bit. So being of Eastern European descent, um, some of the stuff that I read and I've I've never lived in, in Eastern Europe, but, you know, I grew up in Eastern European family. Um, Some of the things I read, you know, do ring true. And I do think that there's a subset of people um, probably in Albania, but certainly in Romania, who maybe look at their station in life as a um, as a deterrent from uh, potential relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, The one the one point that this book, um, you know, doesn't touch on is the fact that that seems to be it's going to sound like a sexist comment, but there have been studies done on this station in life seems to matter more to women than it does to men. And, and I don't know if E.L. James That's is aware of that because really there's no there's no indication that her character understands that. Now, is it because she's from a village where men make all the decisions? And, and E.L. James lays this out for us very nicely of what a small Albanian town can be, right? Yeah. There's all the guys are sitting outside a coffee shop drinking coffee. There's no women in sight because right. the women are expected to be at home cooking and Maxim cleaning. makes
0: a point of pointing that out a couple of times. It's only men mm-hmm. out
1: here. So, you know, how true is that for that character? I don't know. She's apparently really beautiful because she turns every head she sees. And I would have to imagine at some point she'd have to be aware of that because literally she does not encounter one man in this book that we are not explicitly told, um, you know, does does the the second look or, or is obviously infatuated with her. Right. So it's 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 drawn out for us pretty well that everybody knows she's a smoking hottie. Except for her, which is a
0: little odd, right? You'd think if if her father is the way she describes him as conservative as he is, that he she'd never even leave the house. Yeah,
1: pretty much. Um, we do get some backstory on her, and again, this is maybe treading a little bit into spoiler territory. But there's not a lot to talk about in the story if we don't get a little further in. Yeah. So the prologue that we mentioned, um, she has escaped from a group of sex traffickers so she is betrothed to a, a guy named anatoly um back in her homeland mm-hmm. um but she doesn't want to marry anatoly anatoly is violent and mean so her mother um set something up where she could get uh you know free passage to england um through uh, like you know and, and and work for some people that kind of thing which of course we all know and, and again this could be defended by maybe in Albania, sex trafficking isn't something that's uh, as much in the forefront as it is here in the United States, but it's your classic sex trafficking operation. You bring a bunch of women over, you put them up somewhere and you you, you sell them out, um, you know, until it goes horribly wrong, right? Like that's right. The, the path for that. Um, she does escape before um, arriving. So in the, the process of, of being moved to um, the UK and what we see in the, in the, that prologue is her making it to a a friend of her mother's a pen pal of her mother's who lives in england who does take her in and then sets her up with this job for uh cleaning houses until she can get on her
0: feet which strained a little credibility being that she had never been to the country and somehow found a map and somehow managed to walk her way from maybe the boonies out to the middle of london somewhere and yeah. But I'm
1: not sure that it... <laughs> like, this book depends on credibility so much.
0: I quickly let it go. I knew I was probably in for it. If I tried to like nitpick every. <laughs> I want <wanna, laughs> to give you an long. example.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I found myself in a discussion. Do you watch game of Thrones? Yes. I found myself in a discussion about game of Thrones where I was nitpicking how dragons fire works. And I thought, what the fuck am I doing? Like, am I really arguing the legitimacy of, of a dragon breathing fire? Like, in, like, I, I think I just have to suspend my disbelief from watching game of Thrones and not get, you know what See, I that's, mean? So that's, I, I kind of felt the same way about this. Book.
0: Well, you're making a good point in that if you have a, a piece of fiction or a movie or a TV show, that's well done that you're almost expecting even the fantastical elements to have a sort of rationale to it. So sure. yeah, why not try to analyze how a fire breathing dragon, you know, fire projection system works or its capacity or whatever.
1: So let's keep it spoiler free, but let's talk about that. Cause that might be more interesting than this book. Mm-hmm. I find it <laughs> peculiar. Are, are you, are you all caught up? I'm
0: all caught up, but we, should we be careful about ourselves spoiling or? It'll I, I don't
1: think, a... I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything yeah. in the way I'm going to phrase this, okay. I guess. So got
0: it. But I'm caught up. I
1: find it odd that there's inconsistency in how Dragon's Fire performs, i.e., mm-hmm. sometimes it burns things, sometimes it makes things explode. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem I was having most recently with that show is that you know, since when did the fire have some explosive capabilities? Like everything right. else was always like you know, dragon would sweep in and 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 breathe fire on someone, and they'd flail around in flames and then drop to the ground where suddenly we have fire that has explosive force enough to like blow through say a building. Right. Or ships. (laughs) Yeah. Or ships. (laughs) And that's, but again, I kind of had to pull myself back. What the fuck am I doing? I'm arguing about how dragons fire really works. What? Come on. Yeah. So essentially I don't think we're going to talk very much more about the story. We'll probably get into some like relationship stuff and some of the writing stuff, but suffice it to say that, um, there is a plot outside of the love story, and this is where I feel this differs from Fifty Shades of Grey. I've already set up that the male protagonist, female protagonist have a very similar relationship, although less bondagey mm-hmm. um, than Fifty Shades. But this one actually has a plot outside of that, and I, I want to credit E.L. James for adding the plot uh, obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty between these two and their relationship and stuff. But this element that I talked about—the sex traffickers and being betrothed to someone else—does play a very significant part in the second half of the book. That's something that did not exist, right. at least in the original, um, the the first Fifty Shades of Grey book, Fifty Shades of Grey, and the Grey trilogy, or whatever it's called.
0: So there's a trilogy. There was a trilogy where nothing happens. <laughs> except bondage and I
1: didn't read bo- I didn't read books 2 and 3 but I have to imagine that they were all kind of centered around that same relationship. Right. The other thing this book has is an ending. And I know that when 50 shades of gray came out they knew it was going to be a trilogy, but I feel very strongly that when you have a series that there can be a longer ongoing story, but that each book on its own you should wrap up some part of a story. Yes. 50 shades didn't do that. This book, I'm, I'm going to assume is a standalone, as I have no other information. Right. I mean, but it, it it has it has closure. It feels like it is a standalone. I appreciated that far more in this book than I did in Fifty Shades of Grey. So, even though we're kind of done talking plot, essentially, I want to say there is a plot, yeah, <laughs> and keep
0: it spoiler free by not right. talking
1: about the rest of the plot. So, all right, I have some notes. I'm going to assume you have some things you want to talk about as well. I do. All right, I'll let you kick off, and uh, I'll see where that plays well, into my list.
0: one of the, in terms of what we were just talking about, how the book has an ending. It's interesting how, so the book is written, it basically goes back and forth between Maxim's first-person point of view and Alessia's third-person point of view. So it's it's really told through Maxim's voice, mostly. Um. But it's interesting how E.L. James chooses to end her chapters. They they seem to kind of bleed into the other. Uh, she'll literally end a scene, a chapter where, in the middle of an action, and then pick up the action in the next chapter, whereas normally you might have done it as a chapter break within a chapter. So there was a weird randomness to where she would end chapters and how another chapter would begin it's almost like the two chapters should have been condensed into one and just have chapter breaks so within the full story that does have an ending there are weird places where pauses were inserted that made not a lot of sense
1: i um i agree i like the way she did this and this to me is something that she probably learned from Fifty Shades. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, Fifty Shades of Grey was written from, I forget the, the female protagonist's name. It was completely her side. But then she went back and rewrote the books from the point of view of Christian Grey. Um, she did that all in the same book this time. Yeah. So you got his feelings, you got her feelings. How would this story have played out? I'll tell you, honestly, Alessia, Alicia, however we want to say her name,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it would have just been like a country bumpkin that they can't understand that this guy likes her for 300, 400 pages. Well, probably like 250 pages, I guess, if you take yeah. out his half of the book. So right. it seemed to work. It seemed to work much better. Uh uh-huh. um, And you got to look at both sides while we're talking about that. It's really interesting to see how E.L. James thinks. Men think about sex. It and now we've seen this in Fifty Shades and now in, in this book.
0: Well, let me ask you that. Has it changed how she views how men see sex?
1: Not even a little bit. Now, um but this one this one's a little less though, because there's there's not Fifty Shades of Grey was known for its kind of like BDSM kind yeah, of vibe. Right. So this one is a lot less um, you know, bondagey. Right. I guess this has to be more no, no, other straight, than, other romantically
0: that, more of a straight romantic story. This is
1: going to make sense to absolutely nobody, but maybe Rob, Amanda Gowan, <laughs> and Brandon Teets.
0: Everyone who's read all of <laughs> <these.
1: laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, if Christian Grey never hooked up with that older woman when he was really young, he would be Maxim Trevanian. So there's a woman that that he basically learned, you know, the mm-hmm. ways of bondage from in Fifty Shades. Uh-huh. Had Christian not done that, he would have. You know what I'm saying? He's, right. He's a very, it's very interchangeable with this character.
0: Is Christian about the same age as as Maxim? Because Maxim, I think they said is 28. Um, I
1: believe that Christian was probably in his early 30s. So okay. yes, for, by and large,
0: but yeah. not too far so. apart. Where. They're sounding totally different in their views of sex and romance. No, not
1: in their views of sex. Yeah. Christian was a businessman that um, did a lot of. I think it was like hostile takeovers, or I don't remember. He was very business minded. Yeah. Obviously, we have, like I said, the the Playboy in in uh, in this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do have. I want to go to chapter one to give you a taste of. This is <laughs> the fifth line. Actually, I'm going to go back a little bit. I'm going to read you the whole... All right, you're getting the whole first paragraph at this point. I think you should say Mindless that. sex. Yeah. Chapter one. Mindless sex. There's a lot to be said for it. No commitments, no expectations, and no disappointments. I just have to remember their names. Who was it last time? Jojo? Jean? Jody? Whatever. She was some nameless fuck who moaned a great deal both in and out of bed. Yeah. That's the for opening like, right. four lines of this book. Right. And... She does thaw Maxim out a little a bit. A little bit. Yeah. So once once he you know becomes enamored, um, it does it does get a little better from like his his sight line improves. Yeah, but he slips a, a lot. Bit.
0: He does yeah. revert back to that very puerile, almost teenage view of sexuality.
1: I found it to be really repetitive. And when I say repetitive, oh God, not yes. just not just in actual like wording, mm-hmm. but so many scenes where Maxim is talking about how much he really likes this girl and he really hopes she likes her back and how, you know, and then we see her point of view, which is exactly the same thing, but it's over and over oh and God. over again.
0: The th- they would bleed together. Like I wouldn't remember what happened before, because this feels like the same thing that happened in chapter four is happening again in chapter mm-hmm. 21. And
1: yeah, and literally all, all the way to the like second to last chapter before like the climax of the book, right? Where they're having the same the same thoughts that they were having in chapter like four or five when they've like first properly like meet one another. Yes, all the way through the book, which made it repetitive, mm-hmm. um, which probably added to the girth of the book, um, but also I, I think maybe psychologically. It makes the book shorter when you read it because you're covering less ground because you're retreading the same ground over and over. you just like
0: driving by the same parking lot every <laughs> five minutes. Yeah,
1: exactly. that's yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So, um, I had another note. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the ending. Mm-hmm. This book was i say this really hesitantly this book was okay like it was just an okay story that's happening but at the end something really weird happened and, and i've seen some romantic comedies but what would have been perfectly fitting as a romantic comedy and without spoiling anything think about the last scene and the the characters that yes. play in that and some of the conversation that happens
0: right. the props like is- it went from being
1: yeah it, it's you want to it's it's you have an ending, you have a climax, you've got everything is kind of coming together and it's doing it nicely, but it does the in the, in the sitcom kind of way that I, <laughs> I just <laughs> had trouble reconciling. It
0: ends in a one-liner after, yeah, after going through this, especially like the last 30, 40 pages where there's life and limb at risk, it ends in a one-liner. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, yeah. like you said, it's not a comedy. Even though, honestly, no, not at all honestly, I I was chuckling the whole way through. <laughs> I don't think yeah, this was but, the intended uh, impression,
1: right? And that's yeah. Uh, so uh, over overused um, words uh, is another thing. I, I, I came across. Yeah, I,
0: she must have said he smells of sandalwood and evergreen at least twenty times.
1: See, I don't. I, I can look that up. Here's the two I came up yeah. with, and I'll, I'll ask you to take a guess. Uh-huh. He specifically says "oh baby" a number of times in this book. <laughs> now, I'll be honest; it was less times when I searched for it than I thought. This is the the benefit of, of having oh, the yeah, Kindle; right, right, you can just look it right. up. Um, how many times do you think he says "oh baby"? A dozen. It's only six times, but it feels like so many more. And it's, it's weird how she does that.
0: How does that work?
1: I, I, I don't know. May, Through some kind of
0: magic. It, it may be a psychological thing if we just hear it twice. Yeah. We hear it a third time. We think it's 10.
1: Well, and I think it's just so out of who the fuck says, oh, baby. Oh, baby. Oh, I mean, <laughs> oh, like it, it's so terrible. But the winner for most times in this uh-huh. book is uh, h. ah, h, h. But probably said in a more sexy way oh, than I right. just did, <laughs> because at some point she moans ah, uh, she cries ah, uh, <laughs> she she gasps ah, <laughs> uh, etc.
0: Twenty six times. How many italicized fucks are there? Because every time yeah, can't he thinks he, just every yeah. time he yeah. thinks he screwed up with her, like he he made a mistake, he thinks he made a mistake, mm-hmm. or he thinks, oh, she doesn't like me like I like her. There's a lot of internal monologuing, like a lot of it, and it's a lot of italicized things. Are thinking, and then they go on to describe it, so it becomes really redundant. Uh, a lot of telling and not showing, basically.
1: Oh wow! So fuck is in this book two hundred and seventy-one times. It's like Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, but sometimes it's you know, like like he says nameless fuck, and then later on the page he says Caroline doesn't fit the nameless fuck category. You know what I mean? So not all of it is. Yeah, used but
0: I, 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 you know, I guarantee you, two thirds of those are italicized internal monologue fucks.
1: It uh, it very well could be, and then. I do want to mention one more. And now I know that most people think that saying something twice in a book is not too much, but fuck a duck. Yes. Three I've, sentences. Mm-hmm. Fuck period. A period. A period. Duck, duck period. period. Appears not once in this book, but twice. twice by a super cool, rich, handsome playboy. Yeah. Who lives you know, <laughs> Modern in day, in Modern London, day London. Of all play- Yeah. Yeah, of all places fuck a duck <laughs> twice in the book which was which was shocking it,
0: to me it, so. it pulled me out each time
1: um i want to address dream sequences because i hate dream sequences but i hated this one more than, <laughs> than any other dream sequence <laughs> maxim drives all night gets home and passes out on his couch like shoes on muddy shoes through the apartment right. whatever this is before there's really been any type of romantic interaction mm-hmm. between the two of them. But he's been dreaming about it. They her. haven't
0: even touched. This is like right before. No.
1: Mm-hmm. And she goes to, and I don't remember, to cover him, to take off his muddy shoes or something, and he's dreaming about her and actually like pulls her onto his lap and cuddles with her while he's dreaming. Right which i would imagine that she's probably petite she maybe weighs 90 or 100 pounds or whatever but i'm still thinking that that's gonna take you out of the dream state
0: that you've actually
1: pulled a 90 pound human being on top of yourself and it was just so terrible because she feels really awkward but then she like puts her head on his shoulder and smells his hair for a little while and it's just as bizarre
0: it it almost starts like an assault
1: Fire breathing dragon scene in the book where <laughs> none of this is actually
0: possible. Oh my god, I remember that scene. And it, seems to be another, it seems to be another of those instances where do you wonder if EL James thinks that guys are like this? That most men are like would be having a dream like this, and then physical contact happens in such a way that any normal person would just startle awake, but No, they keep sleeping through it.
1: I, you know, I I mean, I can go one better. Does she think that men dream different than other people? Because my dreams are always really weird, disjointed shit that doesn't, like, it's never like repetitive dreams about the same person. And when it is, it's like a dream about a homeless guy I saw once that I was driving past in a car and he, like, haunts me in my, like, yeah. They're always like, I was at work, but I worked on the side of a cliff. And there were, um, you know, there were firemen there putting out a fire, like, you know, I mean, it's always like really, his are always like, she's standing there in my doorway again. Like, no, that's, that's really not how it works. At least I don't think for most normal people. I I don't know how
0: many people lucid dream like that or have a a, a narrative that's Mm -hmm. very cohesive or at least remember it. I don't, I, I, and I ask people that a lot. Like I get to know him a little bit and I wonder how you dream because I'm always curious about that because I think maybe there's something wrong with me <laughs> that I can't have cohesive, lucid dreams or don't remember them most of the time. And most, I think most often than not, people agree. Yeah, I don't remember most of my dreams or they're a jumbled mess.
1: None of those people are the Earl of Trevithick. Though. No. I'm guessing. I don't no. know. I don't know. What your right, social right. Circles. Like, maybe
0: I'm wrong. Billions and all kinds of help <laughs> and servants. Sure. Yeah. The one thing... I liked, and
1: I, 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 wanted to credit her so, so badly with this. <laughs> Apparently it's president. a thing that in some countries nodding and shaking your head are not done the same way that we do you yeah. know, in the civilized world in the United States. So she goes on and explain this, that, um, in Albania, if you nod your head, so up and down means no. And side to side means yes, mm-hmm. which is just weird. Cause I'm doing it as I'm saying it, it just feels unnatural. It feels it, odd. Right. But then, so I thought, okay, plot device, there's going to be some confusion at some point, right? This happens. Right. Not only is there not confusion, but later when confronted with other Albanians, They nod their head for yes and they shake their head for no. no. And I'm like, (laughs) she could ruin that fucking thing, which was the most interesting part of the book to me, honestly, is to learn something cultural like that.
0: She tried, yeah, she tried to pull the trick on people from her own country who would have caught it. Yeah.
1: So I I yeah, I mean, I thought I was like, I was like, oh, this is actually fascinating.
0: This is really it, you know what you that that scene where she's talked about that that was the first time it kind of piqued my interest. oh we're gonna, I'm gonna learn something right exactly that and like the that and that whole like segment when they finally get to Albania and then he's got the interpreter with his girlfriend and the whole chapter felt like a travelogue mm-hmm. yeah even though it's they're they're like racing against time and try to find <laughs> Alessia it's like okay this is interesting I'm, I'm learning something about this country I I, I don't know. But it was it was described as if you were watching Discovery Channel. It just felt really maybe tonally she, inappropriate for what was going
1: on. Well, she did work in TV, according to her bio. It doesn't say specifically what she did, but maybe it was travel logs, right? For the BBC, maybe. I don't know. It was it was it was well done. <laughs> um, there's some I interesting things there about the earlship. Like we forget that that's still a thing um i Mm -hmm. watched a shit ton of like downton abbey which i absolutely love um and other period pieces like that but like we forget that that's still a thing today um so some of that was kind of interesting just just the little asides about like what his responsibilities are which really are like managing an estate like there was no you know he wasn't gonna be knighting anyone or anything crazy like that like his job was he had a shit ton of people in his employ he had people who were tenants a bunch of
0: properties he had to tend
1: yeah, to farmers and stuff that 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 you know he owns the farms and other people farm the land mm-hmm. and stuff so some of that was interesting and and i i appreciate should, should we mention
0: that. this is kind of spoilery but not maybe is the fact that she doesn't know that he's nobility
1: um we absolutely can mention that um, it was a little hinted yeah. at like in the in the synopsis yeah. Yeah, he manages to keep this from her, which really shouldn't be that difficult in the modern day. Because he, like, lives in a a very nice, but in an apartment. Like, she doesn't meet him on his estate. So there's some, but it also takes her, she seems like she's a bright enough girl. It takes her a little too long to figure out that, like, he makes a phone call and some, like, nice, like, 60-year-old lady shows up with, like, clothes and food and stuff. Like, this is not a normal thing.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: That happens, and and people like calling him my lord, and she doesn't bat an eye,
0: right? And she keeps thinking that he's rich by being a composer and a DJ.
1: Yeah, well, oh, so yeah, so he is a he's a photographer, a music composer, right. a DJ, and sometimes fashion model. I we really should have led all. Like I think we should yeah, start over because I think it is we
0: missed all trust fund <laughs> baby tropes.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then yeah the fact that she is we didn't talk about this she has that i want to say disease but it's probably not a disease where she sees music as colors which allows her to have essentially like a photographic musical
0: memory right which i which i wanted them to, to get more into and it was very just it never nope it never returned to have any sort of impact
1: no, other than she plays in the music, flee and mac-
0: synesthesia is it called? Yes, I think that's the one. Yep. Yeah, where you where like sound becomes colors. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah,
1: that's it in a nutshell. I don't think we did that very linearly, but I think we covered all the bases. Um, which I'm right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about about this book before we give it like a wrap up and some ratings?
0: No. Uh, well, I'll say. I mean, I've I've not read Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, So this is my first E.L. James experience. Um, And it was kind of what I expected. I didn't expect it to be as kind of repetitive and like this book could have easily been a hundred pages shorter, 150 pages shorter. Um, I understand its appeal and it's, and I get that it, I get that it's got an audience. It's I'm just not one of those people. <laughs> this is definitely not my jam. Yeah, I don't know. Have much more to say about it. Oh, purely on just a literary endeavor, uh, two and a half. I think wow. it as as. I'll give it in terms of storytelling, once it actually gets into the plot halfway through and beyond, it does have a certain uh, velocity and a turn of the page that you are curious to see what happens after a whole lot of buildup. And I don't necessarily mean good buildup. It's just a lot of repetitive, like, get on with it already. So, definitely the second half of the book, especially the last third, is the most interesting and most engaging part of the book. Whereas I, it may be contrary to the genre, the romance genre, I found the sort of flirting, build-up, sexual tension part kind of honestly sexless and not very erotic. Which, for the kind of book that it's supposed to be, is kind of a... Big strike against it in my book. So, two and a half stars, I think, is 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 the most I can go.
1: That's um, that's probably pretty generous if I'm being honest. So I, I I expected you to like it even less. Like I tend to lean a little bit and say, all right, what do we have here? We have a book. It's cohesively written and stuff. So I can tell you that my uh, my other co-host Rob. I'm just going to guess would have come in at one star for this one. That's just a guess. though. (laughs) All right. I'm going to echo some things that my co-host Dino said. Um, It's really repetitive. It's really repetitive. I can forgive it for being written at like a third or fourth grade level, because I understand deep down inside that um, probably the majority of readers, and I'll be honest, myself included at times, like to read something that's really story-driven. I love a beautifully crafted sentence, but sometimes I just want to read mindlessly. And then there are other books that I'm going to talk about one of those books a little bit after we talk about this one that I can't (laughs) read mindlessly. Like I have to put my thought into it. And there's a reward for doing that and reading that kind of fiction. Sometimes though, it's nice to not have to reread one sentence, not once in the entire book to just, I don't want to say skim a page, but that's what it feels like. It's just like this really light, loose and easy reading. Um, and right. I'll give her credit for that. I think that's what makes a bestseller. Um, and and then you have to rely very heavy on story. That might be where this falls short. There's a lot more plot than in Fifty Shades of Grey. So that's another positive um, for her. This book has an ending. Fifty Shades didn't. I don't care if they had a trilogy. <laughs> there was no closure at the end. Like I didn't go on to read books two and three. So for me, where that story ended, I felt like it was just a completely... You know, open ended story. And I don't like that. This one closed. I don't know if these characters yeah. will be popular enough to come back so that we can see the Earl of Trevithick's baby or whatever would come you know, next out of this. God.
0: You can have Rob read that one with you.
1: I don't think Rob's ever going to read an E.L. James book again. I'm going to have to put on another challenge to anybody. You get first dibs on any E.L. James book you want
0: to
1: <laughs> read. Just so you know. um, but, uh, If she ever writes a
0: short as, story, I'm there. <laughs>
1: As far as this one goes, um, you know, I I didn't dislike it as much as I disliked Fifty Shades. I honestly don't remember what I what I gave Fifty Shades of Grey, but maybe I was a different person back then. You're right. The sex stuff was I don't know. I don't know where I would read like good erotic stuff because we we reviewed a book called Backdooring the Brat um, a few years ago. That wasn't very good
0: either. (laughs) But that sounds like it would not be good.
1: Yeah, it was, it was very that's... different um, from, from the sex in this. So I, I don't yeah. know. I think that maybe ultimately people should just not write sex stuff because it. I, I don't think it ever plays out super well. So maybe, you know, I know that's kind of the point and probably the target audience for this book wanted to see that or at least she thought that from the reception of Fifty Shades of Grey got. Yeah. Um, there was a plot and the plot in itself was not bad. I've read worse plots. I've read worse plots on the show. Um, So the thing with like the the um, sex trade smugglers and the thing with her betrothed fiance and and, like the stuff with her home country, I actually thought was pretty good. I mean, we could have spent a little more time on that and a little gotten a little better look at at what that looks like and the effect that has on people. But I'll give her credit for doing this, you know, in a way that was at least I I wanted to know what was going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to go right with you on this. I think I'm going to give this one two and a half stars, which again, I feel is a little generous if I take the, yeah. the big aerial view of the whole thing. So, um, but I'm going to go with you on this. I think you're right on two and a half stars.
0: Well, what I think it helps her in this book is that it's plot loaded towards the end. So that's the part you most remember that it actually has a kind of a culmination and a buildup but for the first half it's sort of dry and and where is this gonna go like i remember when we were we were texting back and forth to see how we were doing i i think i even asked is someone gonna die already <laughs> something yeah. something happened yeah, so when it, it finally happened. starts happening you're like relieved and you're like okay good something's going and, and i see there's danger and there's suspense now maybe and it's not that well written, but okay. It's at least it's propelling you forward.
1: I don't know how many books in this, and I'll say genre, and I, I don't know what genre this is, but the the we'll call it the board housewife
0: suburban. In the housewife back, genre. it says erotic romance. Okay,
1: I can't imagine there's a ton of plot in any of those. So, like I said, that's where I want to give her a little bit of credit. I guess we'll see when the movie comes out because inevitably, there's yeah. going to be movie oh I don't for know sure her. i don't know i haven't looked into it to see if the rights were sold yet or anything i did read somewhere that she's going might be working on a gay romance novel so you know someone else might have a chance
0: it's right let me see if <laughs> that's interesting that let me let me ask you and i know it's not necessarily fair to review the book we wished it could have been mm-hmm. the whole time i'm reading it don't you think it would have been a more interesting book if it would have been written from her point of view as opposed to his?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know what the split was, right? Because it was probably maybe
0: 60-40. There's a lot of her in this. No, but I mean in terms of her sections being the first person. Oh, I got it. Um, and his being the third person.
1: Um, yeah, probably a little more accurate too, I would imagine. Maybe like a feel that was a little yeah. a little better. Like I said, I, I think she had to make the distinction um, that she didn't make in mm-hmm. writing the first two books. So for me, this was a good progression for her. Right. People beg me to write gay romance, 50 Shades author says. Speaking to The Times on Thursday, James revealed that she has been swamped with messages from women and gay men who have asked her to pen a follow up about a gay relationship. She teased, never say never. I don't want to speak for a whole culture or group of people. I don't believe that gay men are asking her to fucking do anything. I'm just going to go on record. There's probably not been tons of gay men that are messaging E.L. James for anything
0: at all. Right.
1: Begging for
0: her opus on
1: the gay experience. That's enough E.L. James for one. Yeah. For one year. I don't know. Probably one next podcast. Out. Yeah. And I have to beg for listeners to,
0: <laughs> to help me review
1: it anyway. Right. I have a couple other things to talk about. I already kind of talked about Game of Thrones, at least in my it wasn't part of my thing, but there was something I thought in the back of my head that fucking Dragon Fire thing has been bothering me for a solid 24 hours now. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Um, I read another book last week. And that's what I want to talk about um, at least a little bit. And what better time to do it than when you're on this podcast. I read dead reckoning after I read, oh, wow. after I read the mister. So I've crammed two books into my last eight days or, or whatever it's been <laughs> finishing late last I'm, night to get through your book. Cause I wanted to do it before we did this podcast.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And also I'm, I'm scared now because I'm hoping you find it better
1: <laughs> than the mister. Um, Here's, here's here's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I already, if you rewind in your head, and I know it's tough to think back to what we talked about. What did I just say? Sometimes you read a book it's super easy to read, and sometimes you read a book that's yeah. a little bit of work. And I can tell. Yeah, there are. I think it's 16 short stories. Do You know, off the top of your head, 15, 17. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's
0: 16. I think it's 16.
1: Yeah, short stories, but I can tell yeah. the level of work that went into this. And I'm not saying, I I don't know you well enough to say that, you know, you had to put a lot of work in these stories. Maybe they just flowed right from your pen or your keyboard or whatever, but there were super well-crafted sentences throughout and paragraphs that were, and it was such a stark contrast. And I don't know if I would have realized how stark a contrast it was had I have read, I I don't know, 75% of what we read for the podcast before, but after reading yell, James, I was struck at how much care Appear to have gone into the book.
0: Well, thank you. I I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, no, nothing really flowed out. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, the ideas do, but the actual crafting writing, then, you know, I, I build up a lot of scaffolding and hopefully the story and the emotions not lost.
1: Not at all. And I'm um, not, and I don't want you to take this as a criticism is just a very stark reminder of two very different styles. Um, I think that and your stories are interesting, and I don't I'm gonna ask some questions and I don't know how you're gonna answer them. So I don't sure. know if this is gonna make it into the podcast. So your stories <laughs> are um, set in this book in a in a linear time frame, right? So we start in the seventies and then we move into the eighties. Right. Eventually we move into the future. Um, like I can't <laughs> How do I say this? I can't imagine that was your plan as you were writing these. Cause I'm sure these were written as individual stories, although there's crossover in a few of them. Like how did you come up with the idea to lay them out this way? I guess is the question I have.
0: Well, it, it did not start that way. Um, I probably had 10 of them written. Um, and I had probably another dozen that didn't make it in. Um, that were kind of vying for the position. Cause it was a little slim at first and I was trying to kind of figure out and, and it was my own self-imposed thing. I kind of wanted to have a thematic collection. And so I tried to figure out well, what, what's kind of the through line to, to any of these. And I realized that in the 10 that I picked out, there was a a kind of commonality to, to several of them had a certain commonality in genre, maybe some were kind of more crime, kind of darker noir, some were more body horror, kind of some were more, some were clearly science fiction or speculative sci-fi. And I ended up thinking, oh, if I, and I had some ideas for a couple other stories that were sort of either half written or not, yet written, but kind of just quickly like jotted down as an idea. And it just sort of occurred to me like, Oh, these can actually fill in and, and feel like they're sort of part of a, a found accrual of, of human history that can kind of tie together with because some characters sort of tangentially touch or relationships of other characters tangentially touch. Mm-hmm. I sort of looked at it and I was reading at the time I was reading a lot of like many worlds theory stuff, and I thought it'd be interesting to think of it as this is one branch of a timeline that could have happened in earth's history. Cause I write kind of like from the decade I was born and then take it off. The last story goes several thousand years into the future. And I just, I, th- I kind of, I think maybe subconsciously at the time, but down the end when I was finally finishing, I thought of the, of the sort of branching timelines. And if, if one person did this, and walked left instead of right that that entire history changes for them in a different way so i was i think a lot of that just kind of osmosisly got into me and thus it became a kind of inner loosely connected series of stories and that makes it any was, sense
1: it was a nice touch and and i will say that in the latter stories and i I may have missed it in the earlier stories, but the, the kind of like you said, tangential characters, I was like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. kind of nice. And I, it's possible I missed it early on. I caught it a lot late in the book in the final, maybe three or four stories. Um, not so much in the beginning, but I really thought that it was a good way to take, um, uh, unrelated. We'll call them unrelated stories for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. and kind of give them a relation by placing them in decades. Um, Dude, there's some really dark shit in this. (laughs) There's, uh, and and I I don't know if it's my old age, right? Like, Rob accuses me of being very callous to things. So I don't know. I mean, I'm going to credit you for doing a good job to getting me to cringe in a few parts where I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, ugh.
0: Excellent.
1: I don't know if I'm saying this right. Muir Woods, M U I R Woods was one of those stories for sure. Muir Woods, yeah.
0: Completely, yeah oh cool
1: awesome completely fucked up shit that i was like ugh. what am i fucking reading but like in a good way you know what i mean not you know i don't want it to sound like i
0: no no that particular story and i can't remember where there's one other maybe where that one has been a divider for people they either really love it or they just say oh this story made me feel gross and <laughs> yeah they didn't like it
1: i really liked it and it made me feel really gross so i will create a third category for you <laughs> in that yay
0: i'll it <laughs> that stick with
1: me for a while um and then there was um oh mojito there was some stuff in mojito uh-huh. there, was, there was a lot more um i don't want to say legit like real world you know what i mean but like there was some yeah. emotion in that and some things that people are going through that also kind of gave me the similar kind of like ugh Kind of feeling, but yeah, I think there was some really good and some really gritty stuff in there, and really well written.
0: I think those are in the same segment of the. I think they're in the same decade, maybe. Yeah, they sound uh, like they would be.
1: Yeah. Um, so again, I just wanted to. It was. It was. It was nice to read that right after what I just read. By comparison, I felt like I read something that was very well thought out and very well written.
0: Well, thank you. I do appreciate that. Really, bubblegum pop. <laughs> this, well, that's, you know I mean you know, can we go back to that like I don't I understand and respect and appreciate that there's a place for this kind of book E.L. James book or like uh Dan Brown's of the Da Vinci Code which I read over three days of the flu and for what I was going through it's not and it suffers with a lot of the same problems it gets repetitive it's yep. not that well written in terms of its prose. But it's a good little page turning yarn and it got me through a miserable, you know, three days of the flu. And it was exactly what I needed. So I, there's a place for books like this, and I applaud that they exist. It's, and, and it's not necessarily the sort of thing I generally want to read and invest the time in. but I'm glad that they're around.
1: I stopped in a uh, Barnes and Noble earlier tonight, oddly not to look at books. Um, I was looking at notebooks, but I uh, I stopped in and I stopped at the, we're looking for a book to review, right? So I st- I'll stop at the new yeah. releases and I'm looking at the new releases. And of course the mister is sitting there and then there's something else. It's <laughs> a lot like the mister sitting next to it. And then David Baldacci's book, right? Cause it's all like the new, like hot books. And I yeah. looked at that table and I thought to myself, like, we need to be more thankful for those books, because without those books, we wouldn't have bookstores that were easily accessible. You wouldn't have yeah. stores with and not that by any means Barnes and Noble is a, a completest bookstore, right, where you can get anything. But just think about what can you fit in the, the closest ma and pa bookstore, for lack of a better term, in your neighborhood or how far that is from you. I don't have one anywhere near me. I'd have to probably yeah. drive 20 miles to get to a bookstore like that that would be a little strip mall bookstore that would house, I don't know, a couple thousand titles maybe versus the, I don't know what an average Barnes has 30,000 books. Maybe I don't, I, you know what I mean? Right. The fact that those books exist, make other books accessible to us. And we owe a it to the books that sell. totally.
0: And agents, agents will tell you that, that, that for, you know, every big Stephen King tome that they have allows there to be, indie books and other books from authors that are not well-known or just starting to get some notoriety. Like they, they, they live on those. So these titles need to be around and, and need to be bought and read and, you know, given their due.
1: I feel that um, an eel James, you know, started out as a twilight fan fiction writer. That's if you're not familiar with the 50 shades of gray. Yeah. I've heard of that. It was, yeah. So for anybody who hasn't, she was writing and posting on some forum they got a lot of traction a lot of like someone noticed and said hey people love this shit we want you to write a book but you got to change it the scampy scampy vampires and TV. can be quite right yeah yeah um, so i think that when she started writing she wrote for the passion of it which is weird cuz i don't necessarily know that that's what she's doing now or did after that she, i have to imagine when you're just writing long form fiction hoping that a couple hundred mm-hmm. people read it on whatever forum you're posting it on That has to be a passion project. Yeah, I would think. I don't know that James Patterson, when he was starting out, was passionate about writing or was looking to make a buck. It could be either way. You know what I mean? But I think that the people who are writing, because it's their living and and, and a good living, like what E.L. James did with this book. I don't think she was driven to write this book. I thought she thought, how can I make another billion dollars? Allows those of you who are clearly passionate. And I say that after reading your collection of stories. to have a place in the world. So I think that's great. Yeah. That's kind of my, my,
0: I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if saying she doesn't have passion is, is correct. I wonder, I wonder if it's more, she's clearly at the place now where she doesn't financially speaking, probably have to do this anymore. So how much of what she's doing now is, I just want to make more money or that she actually does enjoy doing after i I hope that's what it is after all the
1: praise i heaped on her i'm gonna say like the shittiest thing i've said she was passionate about this it would have fucking been better she now (laughs) she's she's but
0: but here's the thing she's made a billion dollars on a poorly written book that just caught on uh, with 50 shades
1: jk rowling
0: where's her incentive to better her craft
1: jk rowling didn't need to write another book either and then she wrote those detective books and you but know remember, what?
0: she tried to write them as under a pseudonym first. Yes, at least the yes. first one. Yep. And
1: because she wants to
0: be taken serious as a writer.
1: But that's there was passion there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that yeah. book, although we reviewed it, and it was just okay. I, I saw where it fit mm-hmm. in that genre, but it was it was really tropey, and you know what I mean? It was it was kind of rehashed detective stuff. Uh huh. I feel like she tried to do something different and she tried to get away from who she was. And, and quite honestly, although this is better than 50 shades of gray, I, mm-hmm. I feel like she just like it did like there's more plot and maybe it's a little less trashy or whatever, but I don't feel like there was a genuine effort. I say this about celebrities. Every time Oprah loses 50 pounds, everyone's like, Oh my God, Oprah lost 50 pounds. I'm like, that bitch is a billionaire who could have personal trainers and chefs It has nothing to do with her day. I I talked about earlier. You have a day job. I have a day job. Yeah. I don't, you know, we have families, we have whatever. Like, yeah, sure. I'd like to be some sculpted Adonis, but you know what? I wind up eating a lot of cheeseburgers in my car and don't really make time to go to the gym because, you know, I work 45, 50 hours a week. Like, so it's hard (laughs) for me to be sympathetic. And say, oh my god, Oprah lost 40 pounds. Who gives a shit? Why did Oprah gain 40 pounds right. in the first place? Like she has everything in place for her not to do yeah. that. Um and I feel well, like that about EL James for that same
0: reason because she could.
1: <laughs> yeah. E.L. Jabes could have done much, much better um in this book, given her now wealth, time, and and you know, yeah. the fact that she's probably got well, that, an army of editors time. to help
0: her time mm-hmm. to work on craft. And uh, you saying that now makes me wonder is like the added element of, you know, of a functional plot is that her doing or her editors doing the, the, the shifting point of view that you now put together in one volume as opposed to having two different books. Is that her inspiration?
1: I'm going to credit the book podcast because we talked about all these things as flaws (laughs) previously. (laughs) And uh, El James, if you're listening, we just gave you more fodder for your next book. So when you write that gay right. romance novel that all the gays are are, are messaging you about, Climoring.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: then you know you know what you got to do for the next one, right? All right, Dino, anything you want to talk about before we go?
0: Um, no, other than well, thank you for praising my work. I do appreciate that. Oh,
1: okay. I was going to say, don't, don't thank me for anything that happened tonight. <laughs> it's like all the thanks oh, is on my end, all the, grand- on, that
0: same, on that same, on that same level. I started reading the other day, uh, Josh Mallerman's unbearable. Mm-hmm. And I also grabbed a copy of, um, Amy Hempel's collected short stories. Mm-hmm. And I just started both of them. It's like taking a forest bath. <laughs> you just start reading like, Oh my God. Uh, reading
1: two different books at one time. I can't do that.
0: I can do it if it's one's a novel and one's a short story collection. I can't do two novels at once; it'll jack up my brain. <laughs> but if it's or or a nonfiction and a novel, I can do two at once. Yeah,
1: I can't do it, and I can't like if I stop like one of the reasons I read less in between podcasts. I don't always have the time to do it, right? So and yeah. I say to myself, well, I could just read half a book, but I know if I stop at the halfway point and read another novel, that's it. I'm done. I'm never that's it. You're
0: done, yeah, book.
1: yeah. So I, I can't can't do it it doesn't operate that way for me so i'm always impressed by people like i'm reading four different books i'm like that's fucking crazy but cool yeah (laughs) you know
0: if i had e.l james time i would try to do that yeah
1: yeah no kidding um anything you want to plug is there anything you're
0: working on or anything you're excited about um i'm currently slogging through finishing (laughs) talk about reading two novels uh i'm writing two novels at once (laughs)
1: Oh there, yeah, um, it makes perfect sense right. in between Well, I'm finished.
0: Right, yeah, I'm too. finished with one, and then sort of doing the final little tweak edits while kind of in the middle of writing the first draft of a of a second one. So, I'm hoping by the end of the year I'll have both done, and I can start the dreaded agent search.
1: If you had to pick, now I'm gonna put you on the spot. If you had to pick one of the stories in your collection that is closest to the, the, the book that you are done writing, which one would you
0: pick? Probably the title story, okay. Dead reckoning, yep. which is uh, brief thumbnails about a, a priest and a cop who the cops like they both kind of lost their way in, in terms of their um, their faiths one being law enforcement, one being, you know, religion. And the cop has been killing people, criminals, and the priest has decided to become the interventionist in, in this um, endeavor. And uh, it kind of becomes later this trek through the desert. And so the book that's almost finished has a lot of that journey through the desert and, 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 kind of violent sort of dealing with the repercussions of violence and stuff so i would say the title story is probably the closest to the book i'm working on
1: i didn't want to spend a lot of time on your book because that could i, I imagine it would just be uncomfortable for me to like review your book while you're sitting here you know what i mean but I only if you say- really hated it well that would be really <laughs> awkward yeah i <laughs> like- would say that that story is the one that, that I, 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 when I was formulating the question in my head, I was looking, I have a list of the stories in front of me. Uh-huh. And that's when I was like, that's the one that felt like it was really a part of a bigger story. Like all short stories that are written well, feel like they're part of a bigger story, but that mm-hmm. one really felt like there was probably a little more there. Yeah. You know what I
0: mean? That was Too- going to be a novella, but then it would have been a repetitive novella. I think I, I distilled it. It's already a long, short story, but I thought I, this one could be distilled down.
1: You can get Dead Reckoning and other stories um, on Amazon. If you're on the Kindle for a measly four bucks, which is nice. awesome. Thank thank your publisher for me for only making me four, four bucks for a Kindle edition. Um, also, I, I will. In paperback, it frustrates yes. me when I look and there are times where like the paperback is cheaper than the kindle version and i'm like this is fucking bullshit like i just get angry (laughs) about like that i always feel the kindle version should be like half the price of i agree yeah i I agree with you um but uh, dead reckoning is good stuff i recommend everybody read it and look forward to more stuff books full-on novels from dino i know (laughs) so do i Dino, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for being a listener. And since you're a listener, I'm going to give you the pleasure of, of uh, signing us off. So I will begin. Uh, until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. I'm Dino Parenti. Keep reading.